All right, welcome to a new show with Injury Time. It's Football Fortnight, and this will be a bi-weekly show. That means once in two weeks. And uh, with me, this is going to be a show between me and uh, Prad, and Prad has so graciously agreed to join us. Prad, thank you so much for doing this. No, thanks. It's been uh, overdue, I think, long time, and it's good to catch up now and yeah. keep abreast of all the changes that are happening in football at the moment in India. Yes, so the idea of this is to have a hot take, quick conversation, not uh, too long. So we'll go topic by topic. So let's start with the AIFF, uh, All India Football Federation, no longer uh, functioning as it should be with the COA uh, no, taking charge of it. So, Pratt, you're looking at it from the outside. And we are looking at it from the outside. What do you think is the situation there? FIFA ban and all is being told. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen, but still, you never know. No, I think at least the threat of the the bands made things happen and, um, you know, things are moving, I think, in the right direction. I mean, it's good to see um, it'll force certain changes which had to happen to bring in line with the, uh, the sports code. And I think the trickle-down effect that it'll, it'll change the state association is just as important as well. So I think for any changes to happen in the long term in Indian football, it has to happen at um, a regional level and almost like we always keep talking about at a hyper-regional level. So if there's that trickle-down effect where district FAs improve, state associations improve, then naturally that'll feed into a much better and much more functioning AFF. And I think that's good for every stakeholder involved in Indian football um, at every aspect of it. So from the outside, uh, as someone who's covered the sport, I think this is a much-needed cleanup. But I'm not very sure that this is going to be a start of something new. It could be a start of something similar but different. Uh, is that a concern as well? Well, I think... Look, there's a lot of um, rumors and uh, hearsay going on in the um, in the media, social media, especially about some of the things that have been happening behind the scenes at AFF, and some of them are starting to get exposed, like the whole uh, astrologer thing, and you know the travel agent scams, and, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, if a lot of that comes to light and gets exposed, and you know the people who are responsible for it are held accountable for it. I think even if, you know, it's, it's, as you said, it's a change of faces, not a complete change of the whole system. I think the fact that people are now being held accountable for things should make changes because then people should be afraid in the future of doing such things or know that, you know, someone is watching because there's also apparently a CAG audit as well happening. So I'm sure a lot more will be unearthed because all these years, like we've all, all of us who've been involved in the football know these things are happening and you know, you kind of just chuckle, grin and bear it and get on with it. They're saying that's just part of the system. You know, that's how coaches are appointed for certain position or that's what happens on these exposure tours where it's supposedly for, you know, gaining experience. But, you know, we all know what, what it's really about. So now, it'll, the fact that people are being questioned for it in the future, people will have to think twice before, you know, doing all this kind of creative accounting or whatever. And also, if that stops, then things start to get used and the, the funds and the allocation gets used in the right way. So, you know, to put it in a simple terms, I'd much rather see us having five under, let's say 16 teams in India, one per each region, where five coaches can be employed throughout the years, coaching their respective zones, and they play against one another regularly. And then, you know, the best coach amongst that gets elevated to the national team, let's say under 16 coach for that particular age group. And the funds are allocated that way instead of just 25 kids getting the tag of under 16 India team and training in one particular zone for one year, you've got five times that much. You've got 125 kids being 
given proper coaching, proper facilities across different zones, and the opportunity at each moment to fight for it. So it's not as if you're selected for under 16 and that's it, I'm an under 16 player till I turn under 17. It's a continuous assessment process where every few months, maybe more teams from the South, more players from the South zone get elevated because the tournament happens to be at a time when certain teams were peaking. And rather than, you know, let's go play a team that's supposedly Argentina or some team that's wearing the Italian jersey and come back saying, you know, we beat Italy. So I think that's a better way to allocate the funds. If that happens, then great. I think that's, that's good for everybody in Indian football. Yes, let's also hope that an under-17 player uh, stops playing after he turns 18. So that's also another whole uh, a can of worms that we need to do. Uh, now, national team. Igor Simac got the team into the Asian Cup. Uh, something that I always thought he would and he should. Uh, what do you make of the performance of the team? What do you make of the situation that they find themselves in the coach having his, you know, his contract is up in September? Can they offer a new contract is the first question. So uh, yesterday he spoke a little bit. So uh, what do you think? And he's putting pressure. Huh? Stimaj is putting pressure on AIF with his own uh, press conferences on the side. And uh, yeah, so. Look, he should. I mean, he should, yeah. he's delivered. Yeah, he should. He's like any other coach. When you're on a coach, they always say, when you're in the job is the best time you start looking for your other job. And when you're winning is when you start negotiating to, to get more and get better. And I think this is where, like, when you, when you do club contracts for coaches, you normally put in certain caveats that if you qualify for this, then the extension triggers. Or you've seen ISL teams, there was one team in the ISL last year where if they finished top four, then the coach's second year would have been extended for a second year. Whereas if they don't finish in the playoffs, then they, the club had the option not to renew um, that coach. So you, it begs the question, why don't they do that with national team coaches? That if based on performance, if you qualify for the team, then this is the terms on which your extensions already happen. Rather than get into the situation now whereby where, you know, the coach has, and rightly so, he can say, I deserve this much if you want me to take, or I need this many years extension. Because he's, he's proven that he can do what, he's, uh, what he was brought in to do. Um, and but at the same time, like if suppose they don't want to go with him or he chooses to go elsewhere and he gets a better offer, you know, the, the federation shouldn't be stuck in a position where now it'd be terrible to go and look for a brand new coach now to prepare for a tournament when there's very little games in between for the new coach to get accustomed to. So I think both sides need to protect themselves um, in this situation. And, you know, all credit to him. I think it's been very, very tough the last couple of years. And a lot of people don't... Um, give enough credit for that with COVID, not enough matches being able to be played, players in a bio bubble. So when he did get the players, you know, there's criticism and this time last year on the SAF Cup saying all oh, the way the team's playing. But if you look at, I was re-watching some of those games from the SAF, he played certain players in certain positions. You've got an understanding like, okay, this guy I can rely on. Like I, I can rely on a list in these games. And maybe I can't rely on a certain other player. And you fall into what was his best players. And, you know, the friendly games, they don't really take too much into the heavy defeats in some of those friendly games because at least we're playing better opposition we're not just playing nepal all the time or you know um those kind of teams or some cameroon c team in an aero cup we're playing proper opposition you learn which players can handle it and when it's come to the crunch in the qualifying games you know uh, they did the result they got the results and everyone said you should beat cambodia at home you should get, get past afghanistan you should get past hong kong and that's exactly what he did so all credit to him. At the end of the day, results matter, and he got the results. And now, I think he should be given the opportunity to build upon those results. This is my controversial take on this because I have always stood by Stimach. I always said he should get the chance to see his mission through. 
and uh, we've had debates on this on our show everything i think uh, john uh, stephen constantine gets a lot of credit now in retrospect but if you look at it both of them qualified similar ways they didn't make it to the first thing the, the stimach had a more uh, you know tougher time let's say because in terms of the fact that he had covid and he, they did play tougher oppositions in friendly so those results didn't go his way either plus uh, i don't think stimach is uh, all that honest that's one thing because or people talking about stimach to us are all that honest one of the two is right you know because he was supposed to have the knowledge of indian football when he came in and he came in here he is like there is no strikers uh, so if you had the knowledge you would have known that there was no strikers so those kind of things but i think uh, stephen constantine gets a lot of uh, credit in that respect not to say he did a bad job he did a good job uh, i think stimach should be given the time now because constantine's time is done yeah look football fans are, are fickle i mean the best way sometimes you know the comment section when you're watching these games but nowadays a lot of games are streamed on uh, mm. youtube or facebook or whatever so there's always a comment section on the site now there's a start of the game when you know start of the games like any boxing game or a ufc thing where you know you're sparring and you're trying to just sort of figure out one another's um thing and you get all the comments oh coaches usually this, this player should have been picked that player should have been picked etc etc and god forbid india go down by a goal then sack the coach blah 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 you know it'll be whether it was constantine out or steamatch out that's just typical what you expect from certain fans and then the moment that one nil down it becomes a 4-1 victory you look at the comments at the end everything brilliant the player who plays for that particular person's club was the best thing since sliced bread and and so on and so forth so i think people like us who watch a lot of indian football we have a bit more of a balanced view on it um we know the difficulties that steamatches had we also know the difficulties that constantine probably would have had and some of it's similar some of it is the league that the boys are playing in you know there's not enough games everybody knows that everyone has commented on it but that's the cards you're dealt with and you know that when you take the job that it is it is what it is the good thing is it's getting better or the proposed plans for the isl the i league and the number of games super cup etc durand cup it is moving in the right direction so in the future at least you're taking away some of the standard excuses which national team coaches have um you know the striker situation that's that's not the federation's responsibility in a way that's the club's responsibility as well um yes it, um federation can help in certain ways um at youth levels as well as at uh, the lower league levels whether it's a second division uh, state leagues where you start putting limits on foreign players um but there's obviously a balancing act as well you've got to make the game popular as well so i think that's a fine line but yeah santosh trophy proved that you've got guys who can score goals and make make for entertaining football and so it's not that it's not possible nobody in india can score it's not like all the santosh trophy games went 0-0 went to penalty shootout no there were some thrilling games some high scoring questionable defending but all in all it was entertaining so i think you know there there are steps in the right direction and i think i completely agree with you i think steam match doesn't get enough um credit in that respect and he should obviously be given the job to continue to continue now um what he started and then you know based on that afterwards you can put clauses in that if he gets to the next round of the asian cup then an extension happens or if not then maybe they they can opt to move in a different direction yes now we will talk about the leagues because this is why i like speaking to you prad you give me good segues uh, so going into the <laughs> in the isl new calendars proposed super cup uh, starts with the duran cup and there is uh, more matches now 
the league also might have more matches now which i'm not really sure what's the scene there so um, how do you look at this uh, situation now things are improving let's focus on the i league uh, isl now we'll talk about the league later yeah i think a pre season tournaments vital i mean when i started getting involved in the isl about 7 6 7 years ago every team was jetting off to spain or portugal or turkey or brazil all sorts of you know basically like a little pre season holiday and money making opportunities for everyone involved and photo ops for the players and then they'd come back and the reality was you're still playing in whether it's kolkata goa in indian conditions you're not playing in um, you know picturesque mumbai or wherever you were and all those pre season results meant nothing i mean you'd have teams beating some spanish team 10-0 or uh claiming to beat some thai team which the thai team would later then refute saying no we didn't even play you and we're getting to a semblance of a normal league whereby pre-season is held in the same country that you play in the only reason to go abroad for pre-season is commercial um or lack of facilities and now i think the good thing is facilities have improved uh i think clubs have their own infrastructure where they can train and have a pre-season you don't have to go abroad uh, as i'm talking to you it's absolutely pelting it down with rain here in um, in goa but we can still train over here um the facilities are you know improved to the level where you can deal with this this weather i think we need to get to a situation where we can have little mini tournaments um whether it's a durand cup or whether i think teams host their own like you know arsenal used to have an arsenal trophy or there was an there was one which ix used to have like small little four teams get together play over a course of a short of a week and fans also get a little taste of the new signings so it's not just all on social media that you get to get to see your new signings and i think that would be a great way to take the game to different places as well you don't have to play in your particular home state if weather conditions don't um, suit playing in in july august in your state but from a player's perspective it's you know it's great they can start reporting into training have less of an off season because in the past few years we've had off seasons longer than the season and almost we almost had eight month off season for a four month season so we're flipping that equation the right way now um i think we just need to do a few more tweaks where i think the super cup and all these like what we talked about with the to help the national team you know can the super cup can the durand cup have rules where maybe more indian players get an opportunity or more younger players get an opportunity um can we have an opportunity where i league teams and isl play one another more often so you get a direct comparison um you know pre and post tournament as well as opposed to just in the past what's happened in the super cups is you know, a lot of the teams have lost interest at that stage so it's just yeah that that was not a good tournament at the end yeah exactly so we've got to figure out a way so it's not teams just going through the motions there is some kind of an incentive for it um and then you know from a viewing point of view that's great for us if we got football all the way into may um and starting off in the end of august september that's brilliant Yes. Now we'll talk about the other leagues. Let's talk about the I League. A uh, lot of talks about how that's going to be the number one league now because of some uh, something written in the sports code. But we we know the truth. That's not probably not going to happen. I'm going to say probably because nothing is absolutely certain in Indian football. But let's say as close to certainty as probably can be. That's what uh, we think. So what do you think of the future of the I League now? Well, if all the reports. you know that we've all been reading and stuff that's led to believe if the winners of the i league can now get into the isl then that's great it's great incentive for i league teams and um 
you might see a lot more teams coming back in. You might see the likes of Chennai City coming in. You might see other um, former legendary teams in the, from the I-League coming back in because there's an incentive to get to play at the top level because some of the teams that pulled out felt, you know, if we're going to win the I-League and not compete at an Asian stage, why are we competing in this? So the fact that the ISL winners now get into the AFC Champions League is great. So which wasn't the case way back when I-League was the number one league had to go through the qualifying stages and it normally dropped down into the AFC Cup as was the case when I, when I was at the BFC. So it's, there's a great incentive for I-League teams to now build yourselves properly. So you're not just building for you know, a shorter season, a bio-bubble season or whatever. You're building with a longer term. You know, there's a three-year. You can, as an I-League team now, you can have a three-year plan. You can say, let's, you know, like a Srinidhi might have a plan. We'll come in and stabilize ourselves. Next year, we'll try and compete for a top spot and put contingency plans in place and what if we do qualify for the ISL are we in a position both on the field and off the field to compete against those teams and going back to what we were talking about earlier the, the Durand and the uh, Super Cup and other tournaments of that give you an idea that okay we're not far off of them or we are too far off of them maybe our foreigners aren't on par or you know our Indian youth are not on par with them so I think it's a great uh, platform for I-League teams uh, and also I think it it makes I-League teams get a little bit more serious because we've seen it in the past few years where some I-League teams have been put together just for the sake of it, almost to not finish bottom, I would say. Um, you know, some of them don't even have their own grounds. And so now by putting in all these conditions, you can make sure that only the, the proper teams are there. So we can get back to the old days of the I-League because end of the day, even once again this season, it came down to the last round. I-League games, the season as such, is, is always a thrilling season to watch. And it does, you know, good players do crop up from there. Um, I just think it'd be nicer to have a bit more of a competitive, stronger I league rather than the way it was, where it was broken up in half and you have a bottom half and a top half. Um, and I think relegation will definitely make sure that, you know, every game is competitive. Yes, now we'll talk about the I league too, but we're going to talk about I league too in a slightly different manner. Uh, from a coaching perspective, because I am in Bangalore, I saw Khalid Jamil being unveiled by FCBU. As the man who has coached East Bengal, this is the man who took Aizol to the title. This is the man who took uh, Northeast United to the playoffs for the first ever time. So he's top of the food chain in terms of achievements as a football coach. He has to drop down to an I-League 2 team to get a good uh, chance. And now he's put his uh, reputation on stake because I-League 2, as you know, is a difficult league to get out of. So he has to do the Super Division, then he has to get to the I-League, uh, try and qualify for the I-League and all those things. So he's got a lot of things on his back. So other great coaches uh, that we have, at least in terms of achievements, you know, um, Sanjay Sen is an assistant coach and there are so many as people assisting. Uh, people like you are also there, you and Richard, again, two other two coaches who are again doing other jobs than coaching. So how difficult is it for an Indian coach in the system? And we'll talk it through the I-League 2 Khalid Jamil situation. Yeah, I think take Khalid's specific, it's the cliched thing. You're only as good as your last job, right? So whatever he's done in the past with Aizol was a long time ago. Um, you know, you look at it later with, whether it's with East Bengal or whether it's with last season with Northeast United. He didn't get Northeast United into the playoffs last year. That was the previous season. So you judged on what happened the previous season. What I'm led to believe, he had some offers from some ISL teams as an assistant. Um, they fell through in the last minute for, I don't know, the, the truth for various reasons. Um, the 
But the reality of it is if you look at simple economics, the amount that an Indian assistant gets in an ISL team, because most assistants, they're not the assistant, they're not the number one assistant. There's a, normally a foreign coach who brings his own assistant coach or first team coach, whatever the title you want to give it. And then there's the Indian assistant coach. If you look at the salaries of those Indian assistant coaches, it's probably comparable with maybe an I-League head coach. And in some cases now, the I-League head coach, apart from the top two or three teams, is less than that. So if you're a coach and you've got a family, you've got a coaching licenses that you're paying off or you need to make a living, you're going to try and look for the job that pays the best and pays consistently. So there's only a few of them in the, in the ISL. And because of the competition, clubs can afford to pay less because if the person's not really involved that much in the day-to-day, -day, the clubs don't really have to go out and get you know, top dollar and pay for the best because they're not looking for a head coach. Um, like if everyone was competing after, let's say, Clifford Miranda or uh, Khalid and a couple of others for Sanjay Sen, as you mentioned, other names of that, as a head coach of an ISL team, then, you know, the pure market economic demand supply, these guys would get better. But because it's just to fill a role at the moment, which has to be filled, it's different. Now, if a second division team comes up, whether let's say FCBU or some other new team that wants to come into the I-League and is strongly pushing for it, and if they're paying you better, or they give you a multiple year contract, which gives you job stability, most coaches would pick that over maybe the glitz and glamour of the ISL or you know, the uncertainty in the I-League. So I don't think coaches are that sort of bothered or passionate about saying, oh, you know, like players give you that ego. Sometimes players are like, oh, I'm an ISL player. I'm not dropping down to I-League. I think coaches are a bit more pragmatic. They're like, listen, if, you're, if it's a good organization, there's good systems in place because you might be with an I-League team where you don't get to pick your lineup, where the owner is picking your lineup. You don't have a proper training ground. Um, you only had a training ground last year because of the... Um, because of the we all know, we all know who that is, yeah. 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 So you could be uh, better off being in the in, in a second division setup which is properly structured. Uh, you might be able to work properly, you might be able to plan your season and have a longer season. Or look, if if you take a Shillong team, for example, now and somebody offers a young coach, I would recommend a young coach. If, I, if young coaches ask me, like, what should I do? I said, listen, take a team, maybe like a Rinthi or someone. You've got at least 10 to 15 games now, the Shillong League, which has just started, Shillong Premier League. Mm. You've got that as effectively your preseason. Then by the time November comes around, I mean, you would have played in a Megalai Invitation um, Cup tournament there as well, where you might play some outside teams, get to know the strength. You could play Duran like FC Bengaluru United did last year. Then get into the IU. You could feasibly have, oh, sorry, second division, you could feasibly have a 20, 25 game season or even longer which you won't get as an ISL assistant coach, let's say, right? You might just get, the, you might be given the Super Cup game for the Durant Cup. So in terms of, as a coach, getting to actually be on the field, take training sessions, take, be on the sidelines for match days, you might get more by being with a second division team. So you've got to weigh the balance up and say, is that what I want to do? Um, and if you miss that side of the coaching, then I think that's a better prospect. Obviously, the finances are one of the factors and the job stability, but I don't think of it as um, like what a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, Khalid had to step down. I don't think it's a step down. I think it's a sideways step. Um, coaching is coaching. If, you, if you're not coaching with an ISL team, which is what I think his alternative was, was a 
an assistant coach role with an ISL team, or coaching every day and you plan the sessions, you take the thing, and you dictate everything with the games, with the recruitment and everything. I think a lot of coaches would pick the second division option. Yes, I agree uh, with the same. It's a good challenge for him. It's a good project for him. Let's see where it goes. Now, this is the last topic and this is a bit of a debate that I wanted to have because uh, we are also running out of time. So, let's do this. Uh, Prad, Ashik the overwhelming comment is that he had a bad time. His move to BFC has failed. Now, I can't refute that it is not a successful move, of course. But this uh, story or the narrative that he played as a left back all the time, I think, has to change. Because you and I know, I mean, at least like in the beginning, he played up front or came off the bench and tried a little bit. Then obviously at that time, uh, Carles in the last podcast, he did, spoke about why he couldn't play. So he played him as a left back. But then again, he ended up playing up front in the crunch games in the uh, semi-final against ATK second leg. He scored the goal. He was playing on the right wing. The next year, he had a good season, but he missed most of it because of injury. Last season, he ended up playing most of it up front again. So it's not completely on the club, is it? It's a lot to do with him as well. This would be my argument. I think I'll go the other way um, and say it's a lot to do on the club, but not necessarily a lot to do on the coaches. So what I mean by that, I'm saying it's not necessarily it's Carlos. Yes, yeah. If the club don't recruit, like you, the cliche thing is you should have two players for every position. If the club had two left backs, then when Ashik's not doing certain things as a right winger or left winger or in a position that, let's say, Carlos wanted him to do up front, that's the coach's responsibility then to coach the player to do that. That's the job. Unfortunately, in the ISL, you don't get enough time to coach. It's more managing because games come very, very quickly. There's a little training time in terms of how much recovery time with the games. But if you're at a club for multiple years or that and the same coach has been there, the coach should be able to fix those problems because you were not recruited as a left back. You were recruited as an attacking player to play on the wings. And then obviously the injury happened and all that. But after that, the next coach coming in and the next coach coming in, we're using him as a left back. It's primarily because I think they probably looked in their bench and thought, we don't have any other options and that's why I have to play him. But then you've got a question, were they looking right or was the advice inside the club right? Because they did have a left back. You had Roshan Singh was now emerged and broken into the national team. So you had a player who was more than capable of playing that position. And we've seen him obviously playing in BDFA Super Division. So it's just a question of maybe they didn't have the confidence to give a young player that opportunity. So you've got to give credit to Marco there. Marco's allowed a young player to come in, broken in. That's meant, well, we don't need you to play left back, Ashik. So you've either got to play up front or move on and move to another club. So I think it's, it's great for him to get this move to HK um, Mohan because I think he certainly won't be playing, I hope so, I hope he won't be playing as a left back over there. Because I think if you look at it even for the national team, when he came on in those games and played in an attacking position, he is a threat. You play against stronger opposition uh, Middle Eastern teams when you are going to be defending for large chunks of the game. Having strong physical, he's improved on that aspect actually. He can hold himself up against players. He can hold on to the ball. And he still has that pace to break on the counter. You need players that are playing further up the field and not as a left back. Because I think we've got enough options at left back. And yeah, possibly I would say better options than him at left back. Yes. But in attacking positions, left footed, I don't think we have better options than him. Yes, absolutely. So uh, nobody is denying that he's his best placed up front, right? Like that's his uh, yeah. natural habitat, let's say. But uh, as a left back, 
do you think at the time when he came into the club obviously left wing was sunil there was no no way he was breaking into that space uh, udanta was at that time uh, someone who they really really rated very highly who had a good performance a year before the only option was to play up front and i think there was a period of time when they three played up front uh, but they didn't score much or do much damage other than sunil being the only lone scorer yeah i think look i mean i've seen him play as a nine and the talk about i had him at pune as well i don't think he's great with his back to goal because his main threat is when he's facing the goal but look when you move to a club like bfc and you're a left sided player and you know sunil chetri there there's two ways of mindset approaching that do you join that club thinking i'm going to be better than him i'm going to make him go on the bench and i'm going to play or do you go with the and am i going to try and assist him and get as many assists and make make sure i play in the team right or try and make a partnership with the chetri or whoever the striker is so i think some players it's it's how you react as a player i think like that's why i admire listen a lot he's gone to a club where like atk mohan bagan a lot of people said oh you're just going to go there sit on the bench he won't play they got manveer they got david williams they got xyz but he went there and he's kicked on from his season that he had a hyderabad and i think that's what you want to see young players do saying listen now this is my turn it doesn't matter if there's a legend playing there i'm going to show you what i can do and look as coaches if the guys producing week in week out you're going to play him and then you'll adjust things around him because you know sunil's versatile we've seen with the national team he doesn't play out on the left so i think if ashik had made that position his own or he came in when uh, when udanta was on form he could have made that position his own um as you said yeah a little bit to blame on ashik he didn't really you know provide bfc fans you could say a full glimpse of his potential he just showed it in fits and bursts like that semi final here and there but consistently over his time over there you'd have to say was it bit of a disappointment and the excuse the easy excuses are out made to play left back yeah i think that's the narrative i wanted to break because i think that was a bit of an excuse but like you said there are so many uh, underlying issues there as well so this is the quick fire episode that we are ending right now uh, we'll put this out we'll do this every other week throughout the season yeah. and uh, let's hope that once we get closer to the season there will be a lot more arguments that we can have like the ashik <laughs> discussion so uh, yeah that's the plan here so guys thank you so much for listening uh, Brad, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, mate. See you soon. See you.